0: Hello, fair listener, and welcome to Critically Dry Roleplaying, a uh, semi-experimental podcast by some semi-experimental people. My name is Brandon Sweeney. I'm joined by my good friends,
1: Cooper Lageza, <laughs>
0: and Mason Nielsen,
2: deranged psychopath.
0: And today we are talking about character introductions in roleplaying games, um, kind of similar to what we're doing right now, is introducing what will hopefully be a a podcast that you might enjoy or listen to. And the best part about any podcast you listen to is... The...
2: The fact that you can listen to it?
0: No. It proves you have ears! The characters.
2: Oh! Oh! Okay, oh.
1: that makes sense.
0: Amateurs oh. here.
1: Shut up, Tony. No
0: one loves you. <laughs> um, really? So, no one does. So, this is um, why you're an orphan. Well,
1: I guess first guess first we'll of we start off by introducing ourselves a little bit. Um, you know, uh, who we are, our role-playing experiences, um... All that sort of stuff. Uh, and, you know, our group and the systems, we do all that kind of thing. So why don't you, why don't you start off,
0: Sweeney? Alright, uh, I am Brandon Sweeney. I am 18-year-olds from 18-year-olds. 18-year-old... I am an adult. He's actually 18 one-year-olds <sighs> in a suit. I am Brandon Sweeney. It's kind of horrifying, actually. I am from... Uh, He's lumpy.
2: Squirmy limbs North East
0: out. Middle West. And I am... Uh, I, I came into role-playing kind of alone. I I fell into all the classical DM pitch tra- pit traps of starting a group, having some some crazy hijinks with bugbears and decks of many things, and it was, it was pretty terrible, honestly, thinking back at how bad I was. Uh, I met some people at uh, some community theater, and... Uh, here I am now after several years of playing games, hating them, loving them, and then hating them again.
1: You're talking about us or the games?
0: Uh, both. Oh. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry, we hate you too.
1: Yeah, we never got out of that phase. Alright. Um I'm Cooper Legezza. I am a college student. Haha, older than Sweeney. Um I have been role-playing for four or five years now. I start off with D three point five well, that was fun on a bun. We eventually moved... I, I, I moved past that with uh, my group, that, the one I'm currently in. Um, and we got into GURPS, Call of Cthulhu, um, and a bunch of other systems. Those are the two main ones, although we have played other systems. Um, and Eclipse Phase is the other big one. Uh, and I've done a lot of uh, DMing on campus, which has been a whole bunch of fun. And hopefully we'll having some of those people later on when we actually, when I actually get back to school. Yeah!
2: Hello, I'm Mason Nielsen. I was born many and many a year ago in a log cabin in He's the eastern 12. half of the United States. He's
1: 12.
2: Yeah. I'm a third year student in physics at OSU.
0: Third year student in Hogwarts? <laughs> at Hogwarts. School of Witchcraft? <laughs> no, witchcraft. fuck you.
2: I would School be 14 if I was at Hogwarts. I never
0: took a speech Shut class at no fancy higher learning facility.
2: <laughs> <laughs> born in the. Ubiquitous Eastern half of the United States. I started playing RPGs at age 8 with the red box of D&D. Yeah. Fucking snob. Fucking snob, indeed. I played the shitty dice, which corners rubbed off. And I subsequently lost those and got good dice. But the point being is I started GMing almost... You know, immediately after I started playing, I played literally one session at age eight. And then I find myself, you know, a year later, you know, starting to, you know, GM. You know, it started out really, really, really poorly. And eventually I got... Wait, 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 wait.
1: You played one session, and then a whole year later you played the next session?
2: Pretty much.
1: Okay. Fair
2: it enough. was a bad life.
1: Well, that's your whole life, so... I don't know if you say once. Anyway. You're welcome.
2: I am welcome. You are. And subsequently I became the, you know, better GM. Uh, At one point, after I got over d and I became obsessed with GURPS and eventually dragged these people into that horrible, horrible experiment in generic universal role-playing.
1: System. Systems. No, it's just system. Generic universal role-playing system. GURPS.
2: Well, right. I thought about like, playing other generic universal role-playing systems.
0: I was thinking a joke, Mason. No, you you're not allowed it.
2: to. You're does,
0: not allowed to. Does Rifts count as a generic universal role-playing <laughs> system? No, it counts Fatal as does. hell. Because it's incredibly no, generic no. and no one wants to play it? Fatal is the most
1: universal role-playing system.
2: Because everyone is universally repulsed by it. We oh. get it, Cooper.
1: In every in every game, you really do need to know how large your asshole can stretch until it bursts.
2: Don't even joke about that.
1: I, I seriously did. had to okay, make a wall for that. Speaking
0: of awkward segues, uh, let's get to character introductions, the topic of this <laughs> <What>? podcast.
1: <laughs> that wasn't even a segue. I hate you. <laughs> it wasn't even close to a segue. Well, let's, let's
0: talk about the brief... Wait. Cooper,
2: you're ruining the immersion for the listeners. I hate How do they you know that he didn't just Let roll Brandon in talk. on a Segway? Let Brandon talk!
0: I'm drowning in despair here.
2: And
1: alcohol.
0: <laughs> no. That would be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, character introductions. Now, you all know the moment. You're sitting in the bar with a bunch of unscrupulous people. The DM is describing the sexy barmaids walking around the room. And finally, someone... Convolutedly comes up to you and asks, Do you want a job? And of course, in character, you're out of work. You say yes. Uh, You get around a table with a bunch of other people, and you look around, and your hopefully friends, or just people you've met at a con, or whatever, tell you what you see. And sometimes what you see doesn't make sense. I am a
2: pixie
1: true namer. <laughs> you can oh. tell that by my character sheet that my character
2: there is, is holding. holding. It's staple to his coat. you see? <laughs> I have a wisdom of eight. I need help.
1: Um, and, and that's actually a big issue is the idea of, of what you can tell of a person's character by just what you see. Um, now a person now you encounter a person in robes and a tall pointy hat. Yeah, they might be a wizard, and your character can make that assumption, but they might also be a scholar, or a cleric, or uh, an oddly-dressed
0: monk. Or just someone that is wearing robes for the sake of being Also a rookie hat.
2: It could be a particularly ostentatious part. Hell, it could be a part he's playing.
1: That, that's very fair. So, really, there, there are things that you can't tell, uh, particularly through talking about D&D, you know, class-level... Lov- class um, any of those, uh, types of...
2: And yet, a common pit trap you encounter when, especially with new players who are introducing characters, is that they'll immediately introduce themselves based upon the stats on their sheets. I, I am a
1: level an... 7 wizard!
2: I
0: have an AC of 14!
2: And a strength of 12!
1: Hot dang! Above average for my wizards. Yeah. Um... Strength is a dumb stat. So is everything but intelligence.
2: So, just like real life, then.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. Anyway.
0: That's depressing. Um,
1: so it, it's a lot of a lot of the um, problems that we we all encounter. I mean, we've all we've all probably done this before. Is that we introduce things that you you know we wouldn't necessarily know, but at the same time are at the same time are we introducing everything that the other characters would see? I mean even nowadays certain mannerisms I mean look at um not Django Unchained but the one where they're all hunting Nazis.
0: Inglorious bastards.
1: Inglorious bastards, where the whole the signing for drinks, um uh the, the difference between that and uh and the the American version and the German version
2: got Well it's just how you signify numbers on your hands, something as subtle yeah. as that. Yeah, so we're going to take a little break, but before we get back, I'd like to give a
1: special thanks to Peter Tchaikowski, the singer-songwriter of the song we're using in this episode, Trail of Breadcrumbs. Check it out on his YouTube channel, Rock Paper Cynic. While you're on the internet, you should also read his webcomics, Rock Paper Cynic and The Worlds. In addition, check out Audacity, the open-source audio editing software we're using to edit this wonderful podcast. Download it at audacity.sourceforge.net. Thanks for listening. Okay, so this is the second part of what we're doing. Well, at least, like the first, the second part of the first part. So, yeah.
0: Radio magic. Nothing happened at all. There has been no time that has passed. (laughs) Not
2: even a little bit. Certainly not 30 minutes where we hung a tire swing. swing. Tire swing. Tire
0: swing. swing.
1: Tires fiend. I'm hanging. Um, so we were t- we were talking about the idea that there are things that characters would notice that would give away lots of clues about a different character, even though the it's obvious it's never going to come up in actual play. And the the example I was giving was that in, in Inglorious Bastards. um... With the scene where the American orders, or was the British guy? I forget. Orders the the drinks. American
0: orders whiskeys. Whiskeys. He says three whiskeys, and then holds and up holds out three, three fingers. fingers. Well, and not, not a, thumb, a British thumb. guy,
2: but well,
1: so. whoever it was, he or, he orders it with three fingers and not a thumb, and two fingers. Um, and the and the fa- that fact got a lot of people killed. So there, there are things that would come up in character that you would never ever. Think of even talking about, except for the most detailed, like ridiculously detailed worlds and and PCs, who're probably been playing those 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 characters for,
0: and and not a while. to be topical, but ain't got, nobody got time for that. Like, you, you cannot take time to make that kind of description at all times. The mm-hmm. game will come to a grinding halt.
1: And that comes back to a different part is like how long we should take, how long you should take to do character descriptions. Mason, any thoughts? <clears throat>
2: My thoughts is you can get as many, much as, you know, 10 minutes for character description. You're planning on having a long introductory first session for a fairly long game. You can drag it out, but don't delve into the characters' backstories. Don't do that. Uh, don't pull the stereotypical role-playing loonies. And I'm a drow elf, and my family is doerden, and I have silver hair, and I got my right sword from a magical wizard, and I got my left sword from a dragon horde, and I killed a demon. No, don't pull that bullshit right there. Somebody's a fanboy. Don't pull that bullshit. Somebody loves Dristar. An (laughs) 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 anti-fanboy. Pretty much. I'm a fan of hatred. Well, that And hatred alone. Know what you hate. But you can spend some time into interesting characters just as long as you get it rolling. You know, general rule of thumb is try not to spend more than, you know, ten minutes... And this includes, like, a full-on, you know, Han Solo-style introduction to the character. You know, you show the character in their full glory, you show what they can do. You pretty much establish what this character is going to be, or what this character wants people to think he's going to be, for the rest of the game.
1: See, see now, I disagree with that. I think, at max, maybe, maybe three minutes... Uh, honestly, I think it's it's best not even really have a Han solo type character introduction at least in role-playing games it won't work and it might work in a book or a movie, but I think it's those are obviously very different mediums from a role playing game and um I don't know about anyone else, but when we start going on and on and on about um you know characters like one specific character and you know, it it can get boring, especially if it's not like really cinematic gameplay. And you know, I've had those times before where my character has gotten you know, twenty minutes of spotlight, and I'm sure that was just as boring for everyone else. Um, because in the end, this is a this is a multiplayer game. It's
2: a cooperative medium.
1: Yeah, so you can't. I would say no more than three minutes. I mean, honestly, for the most part, I I I prefer either have my character start. In a group, like when I'm DMing, I prefer having my character start either in a group already, or just starting to become a group. Having, you know, I, I don't really feel there needs to be long introduction times at all. If if, if, if you're really having your character introduction times, they should be no more than three minutes.
0: That delves into another topic, which uh, has always plagued me: is getting your group together. And um, I, I think that
1: that's a topic that's right it.
0: i think that cooper is right in saying that uh avoiding character introductions that are lengthy is is important not just to keep the game moving but not to keep the game feel like a circle jerk um if you're making something real you shouldn't you don't have to be completely explicit about it um in fact you shouldn't in most cases um that, that kind of covers player introductions, but what about when the dungeon master wants to introduce a new character? What do you guys think should happen? Oh my
1: god, like, like ten words, a sentence, maybe? Um,
2: I, I think just, yeah, the barest of uh, bones, just, you know, the stereotype this character is, you know, I use that in the gentlest terms, but there are certain things you are going to assume about, you know, characters, you know, given their position, given a uh, few words description... Yeah, there's a few things you're going to assume. Um, the mannerisms the GM adopts, if the GM adopts mannerisms, should carry the character completely.
1: And I'm a fan of having DMs do mannerisms, because, in the end, it is it is sort of an acting thing. And of course, not Absolutely. all DMs have the the acting chops, and I certainly don't to do all, to do all to do every single character I've ever introduced. But um, as much as possible, it is my belief that DM should adopt different mannerisms, different speech patterns when. They are playing different characters, or playing
0: right with quotation. Marks. I think that depending on the let's say, I don't want to say silliness, but the silliness of the character, the DM's mannerisms are all you really need. You can pick yep. up that someone is a crazed old man by just how the DM is is acting, or the GM. Um, some some other well, ones we... I agree are a bit more yeah. subtle. A I think a uh,
2: in my opinion. You know, GM description of a character you're meeting should slowly be limited to distinctive physical traits. You know, something that marks the character. So, the old man stands before you, well, more hunches. His leg is broken from some long past injury. Uh, yeah, that's like all you really need to set up a character, so... You know, you kind of get the character. Yeah, no, I agree. I
1: I think if... The things that are immediately obvious should be the first thing you. And if the piece, and if the characters ask, then you should. Then you can do more. But like, yeah, the uh, old man wearing rags with a with a broken leg is a is a perfectly fine description for ninety nine point five percent of NPCs you're going to meet. Um. I mean, there's another issue, of course, of the whole. I mean, we've all heard stories about the whole. Uh, Mary Sue, where the DM launches into a 15 minute long description of every perfectly immaculate physical feature of...
2: Fucking DM PCs. Yeah, it's... So, this is a personal, personal tirade here. Uh, the DM, you can grow attached to your PCs. Hell, you can even like your PCs. But, it's the player's story. You know, your PCs should never eclipse the players, even however competent they are, however important they are to the world, they should never eclipse the players and their actions. Uh, I
1: disagree that you should ever have them. I think if you do have them, they should be killed off as soon as possible. No, actually, killed off, but you know... uh, Should Should
0: die. Should disappear from the story.
1: Yeah, you can have recurring characters that you like, but in the end, it is the player's story, and you are... And at least our philosophy here at, at Critically role critically Roleplaying, or at least my philosophy here at Critically role Roleplaying, is that the DM is a facilitator of the story. He is not he is not a participant in the story, and he should not be at any point. Agreed. Anything else we'd like to talk about uh, for the main part of the podcast, or are going to move on to other uh, things?
0: Uh, let's talk about things that aren't this.
1: Very good. Um, <laughs> I have been... Uh, a couple blogs I've been really into so, uh, the past couple weeks is a blog called um, uh, I Rolled a Zero, which is the story, which is a bunch, a collection of very, very bad um, role-playing experiences by a certain group, um, particularly focusing on a campaign they just had and the resulting fallout. And fallout is a good term because there was some pretty awful stuff. And it's a great example of how not to DM. The next big thing is another blog, uh, an Eclipse Phase blog called Farcast, which is one whole year of um, each day they do one different uh, entity or uh, surgeon virus or thing you would find in the Eclipse Phase world. And it's really interesting, very well written. Um, Those are my two things that I have right now. Anyone else?
0: Uh, I listen to very few podcasts, um, but I would like to recommend one. It is the Internet Box Podcast. Uh, If anyone is a fan of horrible, rambling, nonsensical romps through uh, popular culture, video games, ponies, not ponies, uh, Ponies. red faces, you know, you'll have a fun time. Check it out. It's on iTunes. It's probably one of the most... Is uh, it free? It is free. That is correct. Always free. Good. Internet box podcast.
2: As far as material on the internet, I have kind of been more or less off the internet. I've been having a lot of problems with my computer of late. So I'm just going to bring in what has been giving me sanity of late here, now that I've finally got my computer up and running. And that would be a roguelike called Cataclysm Dark Days Ahead. It very recently released its... 0.05, Point zero five, you know, 0.5 version, so not completed yet, not nearly completed yet. Buggy is all hell, but a very entertaining hodgepodge of apocalypses as you wander through the land becoming a horrible mutant cyborg, monster slaying badass and or someone who dies over within the first 24 hours over and over and over again.
1: The character I'm currently playing is on the third or fourth week in it. And she is half plant, half thing, and uh, half cyborg. She has a fusion gun welded
0: to her arm. My characters have never lasted more than 14 hours. Fun fact, I'm bad at roguelikes.
2: Anyway, it is a very, very good game, and you should try it out. There are several you know, mirrors for it around the internet. And, yeah... Oh,
1: also, all of you should watch the. Uh, we should watch a walkthrough of The Last of Us because it's really, really good. I-, I don't know how good the mechanics are. I mean, they look good, but not. They're not. I don't think they're anything to call home about. But the story. But it's
2: a walkthrough, so.
1: Well, I. They. I'm just saying from the look. I don't mm. know personally. Well, I'm
2: saying it is a walkthrough, and if you're suggesting the walkthrough, it's going to be the story that's most appreciated here. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's all saying like that's why you should get a walkthrough and not buy the game. Um, because because the mechanics aren't really anything to call home about. If it, if it was the game was great, I would say buy the game. But uh, I don't think the mechanics look like that fantastic. But the story is very 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 good. I would I would dec- definitely recommend it. I wish they made a book first. Anything else?
2: Um, there's a rather entertaining uh, webcomic called Blaster Nation online. Very, very slightly not safe for work, but it is a nerdy slice-of-life, um, comic, and actually very, very well-drawn and very well-written for a webcomic. I'm an official of of webcomics, and I have to admit, most of them suck. Especially the ones I read. But this one is actually particularly good. Blaster Nation, for those of you who didn't hear it the first time.
1: Okay. Um, the other thing is there's a webcomic by Dante Cook, the guy who, is, who makes, um... The one where he writes on the chalkboard. So Does anyone know what that's called?
0: Uh, okay. Surviving
1: the World. Um, he has a. He. I think he's writing the webcomic. It's an actual comic and not just him photographing himself writing on chalkboards. Um, and so, so far when I've seen it's really funny. It's about being a biology student and having to fight dinosaurs. Um, so it looks pretty good. I totally forget the name. I think it might be called PhD. PhD Comics other than that I don't have anything else Brandon I have nothing last word. Okay so that has been this session of critically dry Roleplaying, playing and thanks for listening